Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. LPN Deep Dives presents... A Court of Thorns and Roses. With Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. Our map's looking pretty solid here. I think I should burn the edges. Like, remember, like, and you did, oh like, a high Oh, my God, when you would tea project. stain it, and then yeah. you would burn the edges. But have you ever, I did that once, burned it too much. You ever <laughs> have a burn it too much problem? And then you couldn't. Yeah, yeah and then it, it burned like, part useless. of the project. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was devastating. Yeah, that you would be. You just brought back an insane memory oh, no. of mine. <laughs> no, Natalie, no. Why would you do it? Did the teacher punish you? Yeah, I was being bad. No, I meant in a oh. non-criminal way. Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, did you get a bad grade on it? No, I didn't because I cried. See, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do is just cry. No, believe me, there were many a time where crying didn't get me anywhere. Yeah. But sometimes it gets you everywhere, so I guess it really just depends. Crying does pay. Most of the time. <laughs> I've gotten out of speeding tickets from crying before um, and saying I had to poop. <laughs> crying what, and saying you have to poop, it's the perfect co- cocktail to get out of It is ticket. the way to do it. I mean, if you cry and be like, I just had, I have to poop so badly. <laughs> or cry and say, I just pooped. I pooped on me. <laughs> me have poop on me. And then it's just, it's just sad. Then you're just... <laughs> They can't get too mad at you. Right, police? I guess I have a certain privilege or something, but maybe I can get out of it. Poop privilege. Poop privilege. I'm covered in my own make. Help me. You're all dirty. Your hands, You know I hate to be dirty. Um, Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm loving our map for those of us who are watching the video. I'm pretty excited about it. Natalie, you've been talking up this map yeah. for weeks. Yeah. I got even a pointer. Oh, God. But it's really close, oh. and I don't need it. <laughs> I feel like we're in 3D now. Yeah. Whoa! Whoa! We just did it toward the camera, but you guys can't see that. <laughs> you can only hear the whoa! <laughs> just imagine it in your head. 
Uh, pretty excited to point things out on the map here. I'm scared of you with the pointer. Can I just put that out there? I'm scared for my life. The only thing about being a teacher that seems fun. Pointing at stuff. Yes. And the many generations of people's minds you help form and grow. But um, also you get screamed mm-hmm. at all the time. And I think you get bit more often than you think that you would yeah. as a teacher. We really, seriously, really thank should you. be thank paying you, teachers. these teachers more. <laughs> thank you, teachers. It seems like it is a an actual uh, war zone currently mm. to be a teacher. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're th- let's just all have Are the kids. Are we going back to prison? Yeah. Nope. Yes, we are going back to prison. You're right. We are. Actually, we're coming back from the prison this week. They have just procured some information from the little bone boy. The little bone boy that could. He could. He could carve so many things in his his cell. I'm excited because I feel like they've got a lot of like... Like, in this episode, we're also going to get into another one of their, like, big bads. I feel like they have multiple big bads in this book. So many. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, not just Amarantha anymore. No, no. She was simply the, the beginning. The beginning of all the other bads. So <clears throat> they have zipped back from the prison, and they're debriefing the inner circle, except for Amarin, who's not there. Feyre is still reeling from what she's divulged to the bone carver in an attempt to gain information, namely that she admitted that she had planned to die and that seemingly she only stayed due to wanting to remain with that tether when her neck snapped. So really we could say that Reese kept her, like, attached to the living. That's what it seems it's to what be. We, it's what it seems. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the group agrees that they must set out to procure the two sides of the book that they have discussed, the Book of Breathings. He reiterates that because Feyre is made of all seven of the High Lords in a way that she might be able to sense where it is within the Summer Court. But he wants to test this theory before walking all willy-nilly into the Summer Court or the Mortal Realm. He wants to take Feyre to another place first. Trixie, Trixie, Reese. <sighs> Always with some some test. So I many mean, tests. That's what these Fey do. Yeah, I guess it's just like you really need to be tested because everything's incredibly dangerous. But why do I still want to go so bad? You also should get tested if you're out and you should get tested for STDs as well. You should. That is and don't Im- forget. Yes, that is an important lesson for all of us. Um, and that's what I want you to take away from this episode. Yes, get tested. So... <laughs> <laughs> You didn't know I was going to slip in a PSA, did I, you? Please, I, I would like to do multiple every episode. Um, someone who should have gotten tested for STDs probably is this bitch, the Weaver. Oh, yeah? What do you think she's got? What do you think she's over there? Just She's got the clap. Oh, the Weaver's got the clap. I don't know. Her face, it, it, it's, it tells a tale. She's done something. Well, at least she's not made out of bark. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Alice is much better than the Weaver. How Whoa. dare you? They call me the Weaver. Although I will say the Weaver as a costume for Halloween would be really badass. Yes. You, you always love a costume that you have to explain who you are to every person. Like, well, I'm the Weaver. See, there's this one chapter really in A Court obscure. of Thorns and Roses. <laughs> Everybody loves that when you, you have to explain your costume over and over again. <laughs> So he wants to see 
if Feyre can discover an object from a trove that this creature called the Weaver keeps. As we learn more about it, I was kind of actually struck with the story from Ozma of Oz, which is one of the books from the Oz series. Um, there's a character in uh, Actually, the, if you've ever seen Return to Oz, that's basically that book. Man, Return to Oz is so fucked up. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> Little baby frames of ball. It's crazy to me because my husband and um, my sister-in-law, Natalie, both were obsessed with Return to Oz growing up. And I just recently watched it for the first time. And I was just like, no wonder you both are the way you are. <laughs> because of, what are they called? Like the Rollies. Uh, the Wheelie. The, the wheelers. wheelers. The Wheelers. The Wheelers, yeah. Um, but actually, I had the my mom had her childhood version of the Oz books. So I read them growing up my whole life. Damn. And they are really messed up. Yeah. And awesome. But like there's this one part in that in Osma of Oz where there's this character called the Gnome King. He lives under a mountain. Hello, I'm the Gnome King. Is and, that how he sounds? I mean, I based on the pictures, yes, he would definitely sound like that. Um, but also uh he collects tchotchkes in this big collection, and Dorothy oh, he's has just to, like us. Yes, just like us. Except his tchotchkes have people trapped inside. Oh, of them. that's scary tchotchkes. <laughs> yeah, it's a scary tchotchkes. <laughs> Dorothy has to figure out which ones they are to free them. So it kind of has that vibe to it in the scene. Anyway, Reese wants Feyre to visit the Weaver with him to test her skills. And Feyre's working on her stand-up comedy, I think, where she's like, the bone carver, the weaver, can't you just call somebody by their given, given name? name. <laughs> what is the deal with the weaver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feyre, um, please. We know that humor <laughs> is not your strong suit. Feyre, this is a serious thing, okay? You just stop making jokes. But then Reese gives her another title. What if she wants to be emissary to the mortal realm? I do feel like this is a little pandery where he's like, okay, okay, okay. Yes, I'm going to test you again. And yes, it's going to be really scary. But what if we called you the emissary to the mortal realm and we make up? Like, I, I feel like if I was favored in this situation, we'd be like, you just made that up. You're just making this up as you go along. Don't try to appease me. I'm going to do it. You don't need to call me the emissary to the mortal realm. I mean, you know, if he just like stood there with his hands in his pockets, like, giving me, like, a little side grin, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I say this as if I would be able to resist Reese in any way, shape, or form. Okay, yeah. So I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> as, a, as a human turned fae, he does have a point that she may be the, uh, the best bet they have at convincing the humans to listen to the warnings they have about the upcoming war. And, you know, help build their trust. Although, I don't know, that seems maybe scarier that if you used to be a human turned into a fae, I'd be like, well, how do I do? Give me. I want it. Yes. I don't want you to talk. I would tell me how to do what you're doing. You're doing. But now I got to go talk to them for you. Mm -hmm. I'm new. Yeah. So, in fact, they're going to need a place to set up a meeting with the mortal queens. Feyre pretty immediately says that they can use her family's estate. The inner circle makes it very clear that it may be uncomfortable to convince her sisters, but the alternative is mass death. So she's probably really got to try to make this work with the the Archeron. The Archeron gals! Oh, my God. And I do wish the mortal queens were from queens. Like, they all showed up and they were all like Rosie Perez. <laughs> and be like, oh, well, I am scared of double-stepping them, but I don't—I guess we're going to work with them. Yeah. They just show up and they're all— uh-uh. The nanny? Yes, like the nanny, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to be a human. <laughs> you used to be. 
I don't. That's not the nanny. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that was. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry it came out of my mouth. I can't take it back. I love it. I think you should do that impersonation all the time. Um, so she she's still kind of acclimating herself to the night court, into this inner circle. But notably, she's sleeping through the night, even after that really traumatic experience with the, the bone carver. And it's like, you know— she has nightmares still, but she slept and she's eaten, which is also what? another thing because she was not eating anything at the spring court, which is definitely an improvement to the all-night toilet party she was Yes, having. just waking up and puking. I mean, I haven't done that. I guess I was in my early 20s the last time I did that, same age, yeah. but it wasn't out of trauma. It was, it was just from Jaeger. Yeah, it was mostly out of just like self-destruction. Um, so a moment later, as if Reese has been waiting for— to hear a sense of her stirring from slumber, he barrels into her room carrying a knife holster for her to wear. He starts rummaging through the drawers in her room and pulls out the Illyrian fighting leather she's been provided along with her boots. The interaction is slightly hurried and tense. She's about to walk into a very dangerous situation until he very bodily pulls out some lingerie from a drawer, taunting her with it. She reacts offended, but there's a clear juvenile-type flirtation going on there, either, even though neither want, want to admit it just It then. really is. It does, again, make me think of, like, in middle school when I would just slap the back mm-hmm. of the kid's head in front of me because I wanted to kiss him. Yeah. And it's very just like, stop! You're terrible! Yeah. You're so bad! Yeah, that's, I mean, that's sort of the, the interaction they're having, which is, you know— I'm into it. Yeah. No, it, it definitely, like, sparks, like, a little nostalgia of a time, you know, when you were young. I used um, to flirt. <laughs> I used I mean, to be young. It's much better in memory. When it's happening, it's very nerve-wracking and stressful and all that. And it's just more fun to think about it. Oh, yeah, because I don't really want to be, like, having those flutters again. The does he like me flutters. Like, I'm just Ugh. glad to know Ugh. I got one in the bag and now I can go, hey, big boy. And then he knows that means I'm ready to have sex. Oh, wow. Yep, that's it. That's my pickup line. It's like you rang a little bell. Yeah, I go, come here and do my bidding. Ding-a-ling-a-ding-a-ling. Between my legs with you. <laughs> so, uh... Um, to be honest, I don't ring a bell, and that's not how it is. Now you know. Well, I don't know, but I assume <laughs> Jeff has dignity. <laughs> 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 She, you know, it's that juvenile, like, she gets offended about it, and she's like, oh, he's, like, holding up her panties and being like, oh, what's this? And then, you know, as the reader. Stop, Reza. Yeah, so we as the reader, as Feyre often ponders, doesn't really know if he's making advances or just trying to distract her from her fear because he did that over and over again to keep her alive before. Either way, okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure. Take it. She changes in the bathroom, and when she walks out, he's waiting, holding that strappy holster thing she's going to wear to step in. And he has her, like, stretched out, like, ready for her to step into. And he kneels down before her. Something that is very sexy if the person doing it is somebody you're interested in. Yeah. And very creepy and annoying if it's someone you don't like and is wanting to help you get dressed. Oh, my God. I would be so angry if it was someone that I wasn't into. Be like, give me that. I know how to put my clothes on. Thanks. <laughs> Let me help you strap this to your thighs, Ew, man. get away from me. 
The only one that helped strap me into my clothes is my sister-in-law, Natalie. Because <laughs> Natalie strapped me into this corset earlier. And now my breasts are up to my teeth. You look great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it could be like neutral on a set or something. But anyway, Reese was sliding his hands up her thighs to tighten the harness around her legs. Oh! Which Feyre is trying very hard to ignore. Oh! It doesn't seem like it's because she doesn't like him so I don't know why she's like trying to not think about it it's weird can you imagine the throbbing of your loins <laughs> I mean, like just like well, when you feel the pulse inside of your labias it'd be really just it would be hard and as a fae because they can all sense each other's arousal I know they can smell their arousal which that I try to gloss over because I think that that would really creep me out um, I think that's the one of the few things about being the Fae, which obviously we're going to become Fae Bays. Get down. Mm-hmm. Um, the, when we all become Fae, it's going to be really hard for people to smell our sex. I think <laughs> my the way I envision it, it's not because it doesn't smell like like sex mm-hmm. itself. It's just like their scent changes. That's what I would like to envision. I hope like so. You're not just smelling ball sack. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so too, Jackie. <laughs> um, but do you imagine all? All the time, every room you'd walk into, Duh. just being able to smell somebody's ball sack. Ugh. Ugh. No. <laughs> Ew. It's Ew. difficult being a fae. You know what? Maybe it's for the best we're human. Yeah. I no, well, I don't, wouldn't go that far. I'm I'm uh, dressed as Elaine today, so I don't actually have the ears on because I am a human. Right oh, now. yes. You are a human. I'm just a wench, I guess. I'm just a fae wench right now. Where do your ears go? Oh, yeah, I forgot to put my ears on. Oh, God. Oh, oh, actually, you're a lesser fae. Ouch. Well, ouch. It's just because their ears aren't pointy. All right, I'm Maybe just you're an regular. Illyrian. Oh, oh, no, my wings got clipped. Yeah. And that's why I don't have wings on. Yep. Those bastards. We've but I'll still this. have sex with Cassie. <laughs> We're still canon, don't worry. Yes. Um. So... As he's adjusting things, he informs her a little more about what she's walking into, though Feyre only has a vague sense of what's to come. He instructs her not to make a sound and to not touch anything other than Reese's object. This is basically what the scene is like. It's reminiscent of that Gnome King scene in Ozma, if anybody's ever read those books. So um, she has to sort through these random treasures, basically, to find that very specific one that connects to Reese, And that's the only way that she's not going to die, I guess. This is quite the test. Man, these fae put you into such scary situations. Just be like, let's hope. Let's hope you make it. Or else this is just the end of the series. So we obviously know she's going to make it through. Yeah. Or do we? I mean, there. I think Mass is really good at putting really horrible traumatic situations throughout the books. Like, it's not just... Oh, it's oh, oh, everybody's okay now at the end. So I think that at least it's very um, anxiety inducing. Oh, yeah. yes. So he's explaining. Makes for a great book. I'm just, it's like it's such this. Oh, these series are such page turners. They really are. Um, most of you, a lot of you have said that you were trying to read weekly and then you just like gave up. Kept all reading, it. which I understand. But thank you for still listening. Yes. Um, so he's explaining all of this to her while he's, he's strapping her all in. Rees looked up. Hands braced on my thighs. That vision of him in front of her takes her back to a memory of when Reese commanded Tamlin to bow before him when he was wearing his mask of cruelty in front of her. And now here he was on his knees before me. His eyes glinted as if he remembered it too. 
<laughs> on his knees before oh me. Goodness. All right. Man, just think of the sex smell in this room right <laughs> no. now. He's just no. b- just between her and she's just like, oh, I guess that's what I have to deal with later on. It's just the scent and he's got to go <sighs> scrape himself off. Oh, my God. No, they smell good. They smell good. Anyway, anyway, almost certain death ahead. Right, right, right. Let's get out of this sex thing. Oh, we don't talk about sex sex anymore. (laughs) He goes on to inform her that if she picks the correct item, the spells he put on it would be the same as her. Though he's rather unclear what what he means by that, but basically says that whatever the spell is on this item will match her. He warns her, though, that the blind, wicked, ancient creature the weaver is, is deadly dangerous. Call me the weaver. I just feel like it should be in a song. What is that song? Need a low and high. Call me the weaver. I have to look it up. Or else I, yeah, it's I don't know what crazy. you're talking about. Seeker? They call me the seeker. It's by the who. Oh, it's the who. I've been searching low and high. That's the weaver. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that song fits Sometimes I get hung up on things, you know? I think it's like an ADHD thing, and then I can't think of anything until I know it. And yes, they call me the weaver. And she's been searching low and high. But she can't see! She can't see. So, I mean, I bet you she still can search low and high. Yeah, good for her. Good for her. I mean, she's looming. She's over there weaving. She is. She's she's got it. She sees with her fingers. She does see with her fingers. So that is what Reese actually warns Feyre of that she must be quiet and fast, and she should be able to get away. As she looks at him incredulously, he questions whether she would be happier if he dressed her in petticoats and planned his parties for him. Whoa, Tamlin, much? Yeah. And then she, you know, she says, "Go to hell." Go to hell. She wants to know why. He doesn't go get this object himself it's, if it's so important. Reese tells her that she would be able to detect, that Weaver would be able to detect him. But since she herself, Feyre, is made and not a high lord, she won't be detectable. During this back and forth. How does he know this, though? Well, we learn later on he's kind of not being fully transparent about mm. what, what he actually did. So... During this back and forth, he remains on his knees in front of her, and she certainly seems to be noticing every movement his hands make on her legs. As the scene ends, she says, So I'm your huntress and thief? His hands slid down to cup the backs of my knees, as he said, with a roguish grin. You are my salvation, Pharaoh. Goosh, goosh, goosh! <laughs> So, <laughs> just between her, she's, he's between her knees. Oh man, the scene gets me. Yeah. So, chapter 20 opens on Feyre and Reese having winnowed to an ancient-looking forest. Where are we? I breathed, hardly daring to whisper. Reese kept his hands within casual reach of his weapons. In the heart of Prithian, there is a large, empty territory that divides the north and south. At the center of it is our sacred mountain. So this means they are just east of under the mountain. Oh! Ah! She's got the pointer! Someone help me! Here we have under the mountain. It's right above the winter court. And the weaver's cottage is right over here on the east 
side of Prithian. So we can all see that. Here. So it's between the Winter Court and the Dawn Court. And that's where they are now. And th- this startles Feyre for obvious reasons. Perhaps gives the forest a more ominous feeling to it. And this this startles Feyre for obvious reasons. Perhaps gives the forest a more ominous feeling to it now that she knows she's right where she was held captive. This is sort of a pirate land within Prithian. There's no high lord here. It's sort of a lawless strip of land. Nothing but the weaver, monkey knife fights, and L. Ron Hubbard with a boat full of people's children. I would hope not. Where are they going to find the boat in the middle of the mountains? Yeah, he just puts it in on the trees. Oh, pretends. okay. So he just nestles the children in yeah. there. Yeah. Like birds. And then he does he chew up and spit into their mouths, yeah, too? Yeah, it's like a little nest Aww, of cute. other people's kids. Uh, so Favor is beginning to get a bit distressed at this turn of events. Reese tries to change the subject. He tells her that Cassian actually tried to prevent him from bringing her here and suggests that it may be because he wants to fuck her. Well, that Cassian wants to fuck her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd watch that tape. Feyre sees this as maybe a bit of a test. And I have to agree with her here. This is 101 trying to figure out if your crush likes you I know. I'm surprised that she's not like he didn't hand her a letter that's just like, Reese, yes or no. Make her circle it. Did you ever do that as a kid, though? If you like liked a boy, you like I remember doing that to this boy that's a massive crush on. And my friend who was like always considered prettier than me, I I, like went up to him and was like, you like... Do you like Dadia? Because I, I don't know. She's like pretty cool. Like testing him, and then they started dating. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. You can't tee him up. You can't tee him up yeah. expecting not for the home run to be happening. Yeah, is that what I said? I think that was my only way at the as a fourteen year old to try to get information of whether or not he liked me without directly asking. Oh, so I completely, I did this many times and many times it backfired and how many times I was put into the friend zone. Yeah. And that's how 101 of of getting into the friend zone is what happens. Yeah. No, it happened. I was devastated. I I did it. You should go kiss Cassian instead, shouldn't you, Vera? Yeah. So... But also, okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if so, I had my pick of the bat litter. <laughs> um, it does so, sound like bat shit. Yes, that does sound like Wano. Um, so Feyre, she's sort of like, it's almost baiting a little bit, and she's not going to take the bite. So she says, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, sure, why don't you? Tell him to come to my room tonight. Damn. Reese plays right along. He tells her he'll let Cassian know. Good. I said. A bit of hollowed-out air pushed against me, like a flicker of night. That power along my bones and blood stirred in answer. Before she can continue, he grabs her chin, and he asks her if she enjoyed the sight of him kneeling before her. (laughs) (laughs) I do feel, I get little, like a little kid when I'm reading these scenes. I know! Because I feel the flutter. I mean, you should have seen, again, the first time even just rereading Akatar, the second re showed up, and I was just like, it's, it's him. He's got violet eyes. He's got violet eyes. He's here. Um, but before that scene can go any further, they've arrived at her very dangerous situation. A small whitewashed cottage with a thatched roof and half-crumbling chimney sat in the center. Ordinary, almost mortal. There was even a well, its bucket perched on the stone lip, 
and a woodpile beneath one of the round windows of the cottage. No sound or light within, not even smoke puffed from the chimney. So this is the archetype of the witch in the woods, which is as old as storytelling. And many philosophers and historians attribute this to the fear of women, especially ones living good. Out, good, yeah. <laughs> the ones, especially the ones living outside the chastity of marriage and motherhood. Yeah, I love it. I do too. <laughs> of course, the best. Based upon, <laughs> and also oh, watch just, the witch. Became a witch. I just became a away. witch. I wish, man. No, watch the witch though. Oh Talk about god. oh my god, the getting best. into oh, just like the fear. But then you think about it, and how much of it stems from just being scared of the forest, and then they like have put it into which as well. Which is a fair fear. Which is very like back then watching the witch. I'm like, yeah, I'd be scared of that too. Maybe more of a practical fear than just being afraid of a woman who has her, like, tits out. You yes. know what I mean? Like, I don't know. She doesn't have children. She must be a harlot of some sort. Mm, they're not wrong. So... <laughs> uh, it's just because we have the time to be a harlot. It's true. Based upon which form of storytelling, it usually involves either a young, buxom woman who is trying to tempt the poor, helpless man with her sexuality only to destroy him. <laughs> some examples being the nymph or the witch Circe in, uh, from the Odyssey. My favorite ballet, Giselle, the second act consists of dead, beautiful young women who lure men into the woods to kill them. Love it. They're called the willies, which is where you know that term. They're, you're giving me the willies. Oh! That's where that comes from. So the, the willies are just beautiful young women who lure men into the woods to kill them? The the premise of the, the ballet is that all of those women died on their wedding night, and now they hate men, and they come to take them into the forest and kill them. Um, Damn. Giselle's so great. The first act ends with her killing herself. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yeah. Natalie, for the ballet. It's my favorite. Um, no wonder it's your favorite. Yeah. Should I warn Henry? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, my role when I did Giselle was the queen of the willies. Whoa. So I was the, the boss making all the other ones do all the killing. It's interesting that it is a word for a pecker. I think that separately happened. I don't think oh, it's like okay. the same etymology. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> which is, uh, wait a minute. Also, the, you know, there's things like the succubus, the mermaid, kelpie, selkie, siren. Not all those dwell in the woods, but they're always trying to lure men. Um, uh, or the other side of it is the withered old crone, often in the forest, who whose hatred of the status quo has sent her to madness or magic or both, and she will eat or murder any who trespass. Yeah. Some core characters in history and folklore are the Baba Yaga from Slavic folklore, uh, which is described as— Is that as like John Wick? Mm, different. Different. She's cool, though. There's, sometimes she's considered a, a good guy in some of the lore, but she's, she's like described as what you would think of as a witch, but she has bird's legs. This is also how the Greek harpy is described. Um, there are so many types of this witch in the woods. That I'm not going to fill the episode with them, but um, there's archetypes that are explored in length in the classic feminist philosophy book, Women Who Run With Wolves, by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Um, really interesting if you ever want to go down that path. Interestingly, fair— I do want to go down that path. I'm going to start luring men into the forest to kill them. I meant, I meant <laughs> learn about it, but oh, I guess learn you about also— <laughs> Learn how what—you know what? I didn't know what my career was going to be. I was like, this can't be it. Yeah. Now I've got bigger men to fry, and I'm excited you for it. You can go to live in Griffith Park off the trails. <laughs> and you have to lure them with a song, though, like, No, I have 
Oh, so it has to be like a folk, like a creepy song. People are like, oh, where is that impish voice coming from? Yeah, and then you go, oh, man, I can dislocate my jaw. Yeah. Like in Krampus, like the puppet in Krampus, and then I'll just like swallow them whole. Okay. That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, All right. I want to be a fae, and then I want to be that, whichever okay. one of these that is. Yep. <laughs> it's so many. You can become one of the new archetypes. Oh, the my Jackie. God. The Jackie. But I would have my corset where my breasts are up to my teeth. Of course. That's, you have How else hot. am I supposed to get them in? Um, so, interestingly, though, Feyre continues to hype herself up by calling herself a wolf in this scene. And it's, that's a, an interesting connection to that book um, of the archetypes like this. Another great and interesting read is The House of Psychotic Women. It sounds like when we lived together. <laughs> I mean, technically, <laughs> that is what it is about. Really? Well, no. Sissies? But, no, it's about, uh, well, this this woman who, um, I, I'm going to butcher her name, but Kierla Janice, she's Canadian. Um, she This book just came out in 2015, and it takes an in-depth analysis of the shamed women who loses her mind in a film. So it did, it tackles all of the movies where a woman's gone mad, basically. Oh, it's because I was at the low point in my life when we lived together. Well, it's more about like <laughs> all of us, all of us women having, you know, shifts in life. A lot of times we go a little bit crazy. Yeah, man. Um, and you were fine. You were didn't you were actually very easy to live with. Oh, thank um, you. I've had a lot of roommates. You're not even close to the top of the worst. That's awesome to hear, because um, I didn't feel very good about it at the time. You were doing great. Thank you. Yeah. Fun time. Yeah. Look at um, me. I'm all married up. Now I'm one step closer to not being one of these crone women that Clarissa wrote about. I mean, it still kind of sounds fun. I just honest. can't wait to be one. I know. Um, so you should definitely check out some of this woman's book if you think this is an interesting subject. She also directed a really cool documentary um, called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which is about folklore and folktales and Ooh. horror. Um, folk horror, basically. Um, it's really long. It was on Shudder. I'm not sure if it's still there, but you should totally watch it. And if you are not a subscriber of Shudder and you like horror, you're missing out, by it's, the way. Uh, we do not work for Shudder, but don't. it's like $5.99 a month and you get so many horror movies mm -hmm. and so many ones that you've never even heard of and so many great classic shit ones. Like and they also, shit. they also now like produce and distribute new movies that are incredible. Yes. But they have a huge range of folk horror there. Um, totally. I mean, you know, if you think about stuff like, um, uh, oh, my God. Hagazusa? No. Yeah, but yes. I love Hagazusa. I want to call it the Burning Man. That's not what it is. Wicker, Wicker Man. Thank you. <laughs> Burning Man's different. Um, <laughs> if you think of like, I was like I know about Burning Man, and that is scary. Yeah, honestly, is. no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you do like that kind of the, this kind of imagery, like that, you know, the stuff like Wicker Man. That there's a lot of it on Shutter. Um, Mass has used a bit of both of these archetypes in the Weaver, as we'll see, both the the buxom like maiden and the old crone. Farah describes the little cottage as peaceful and even welcoming, as a light feminine humming is coming from inside. That that does not draw you in. No, would definitely not. Hearing that coming from a cottage, you'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to go in there. Actually, for for Gen Z, it would be great because they'd be like, whatever's in there is going to be sick TikTok. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you would lure them in. Farron um, would be making a TikTok while she goes into the Weaver. Be like, oh, shit, I got to be quiet. <laughs> 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reese does not reveal any other information about what's to come and just sort of retreats back into the woods. She's now left to her wits. This feels a lot like the gingerbread house, not the candy and sweets, but, you know, hoping to elicit a lulling sort of complacency to the people nearby. Mm. Like, I guess you would call it a trap. Mm. Um, As she approaches, she hears the humming turning into a light singing, like something you would do to pass the time scrubbing the clothes or cleaning the dishes. It's a nursery rhyme that Faber recognizes and reflects on how humans have no idea that they're singing a fairy song, much like we often don't know the origins of our own nursery rhymes. So <clears throat> feeling dread, she creeps through the door and finds a hoarder. Books, shells, dolls, herbs, pottery, shoes, crystals, more books, jewels. From the ceiling and wood rafters hung all manner of chains, dead birds, dresses, ribbons, gnarled bits of wood. Strands of pearls. This, the weaver is described as young and elegant, graceful, but her back is turned to Feyre as she works a spinning wheel, something else we're very familiar with through Sleeping Beauty, which is a fairy tale that came from a folk tale and was popularized by Perrault, which is the earlier French version of the Brothers Grimm. See, it also makes me think of Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin yeah. was one of the few ones that I was always... Um, Scared of. That's like a, yeah. like a folk tale that still creeps me out. Yeah, t- 
totally. It's also uh, spinning wheels in, in the adaption of the folktale Rumpelstiltskin, and the Brothers Grimm popularized that. It's a German-based uh, folktale. He is very—that is a little creepy little man, very much like a leprechaun kind of character. Yeah. Um, but a friend with weed is a friend indeed. Not that one. <laughs> not that one. So <laughs> I love Lep in the Hood. Yeah, it's pretty good. Do you know there was a second Leprechaun in the Hood? I know because a couple years ago, Jeff and I watched all of the Leprechaun movies for Halloween because we usually choose a franchise similarly to what you and Henry do as well. And we watched them all. Man, it's a it's a rough go. Wow, there's a lot more Leprechaun movies than you think. A lot. So, yeah, we think of the spinning wheel from the Sleeping Beauty, um, which actually was really more well known from the ballet adaption and then turned into the Disney using all of the ballet's music as the music from the Disney movie. Um, so, yeah, very, very famous trope of um, the spinning wheel and the woman at the, you know, weaving. So she, as Favor makes her way further into the bric-a-brac, the weaver's nursery rhyme gets progressively more gruesome. So I want you to take this away, Jackie. SJM says her voice is like glitter and gold. So she's singing it, yep. right? What, what did he do with her breast bone? He made him a viol to play on. What did he do with her fingers so small? He made pegs to his viol with all. Light Jamaican accent. It was it was dusted. It was dusted with an accento. Well, she's the weaver lives out in the woods. I don't know what what kind of accento she's got. And you're right. I love it. Um, this immediately <laughs> reminds me of the poems in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yes, Do you remember those? Oh yeah. The, the worms crawl in, the worms yeah. crawl out, the man. The song. That's what it made me think of immediately. That is just the perfect children's horror book series. Um, uh, talk about another thing that still creeps me out. Yeah. The pictures from that, like oh, that, yeah. I mean, the, specifically the woman that had the spider mm -hmm. bite on her face and then the picture is her aghast as all the mini, like millions of spiders are crawling out of the gape in her face. It's awesome. It's awesome. I can't wait to scare my children. Yeah, you got to. Those books are so good. Yeah, dude. I forgot, too, when I was looking this up that it had piano, like, score you can like follow and teach yourself to play yeah. it to accompany the lyrics which is rad i um and i looked up where the her song came from and it was actually a folk song and it was popular during world war 1 but this is the poem that this uh weaver singing reminds me a lot of that sort of gruesome uh, nursery rhyme. I know I'm I'm going on all the tangents today, but the scene reminded me of so many elements of folklore. I just was get, I got really excited. We got to get it. into it, dude. And I know that you're not referencing the Taylor Swift folklore album, which is for the best. Maybe I just confused you with my other co-host for a second. I'm not Holden. <laughs> no, you're I'm a pretty lady. Although Holden would look great in this fashion that you've got on, dressed as Elaine. I would. I'd watch him wear it. <laughs> Maybe if I have him do another one of the readings, I'll have him dress up. Oh, please. We'll put elf ears on him. Elf ears, Jackie, fairy ears. Oh, my God. Maybe they're. Oh, my God. You should put me into the boo box. I feel like there should be some sort of punishment <laughs> for me. Well, maybe they would become elf ears if Holden had them on his face. Yeah, ears. that's true. 
Faber realizes with horror that it appears as though the weaver is using something other than wool for thread, something instead quite gruesome. She tries to ignore the weaver and scans the room for something that spikes her interest. It does make me think of, did you ever, were you told as a child that tennis rackets were made out of cat intestines? I believe I have heard that. And I'm assuming that that is a lie. I think that maybe initially, like a long time ago, they could have. Really? Cat guts. I'm going to just say that's, yep. Damn. That's a fact. That's a fact. You learn something new every day. Um, The Weaver continues to sing her progressively more gory song. And as she's looking around, as Feyre's looking around, she starts to ruminate on Reese's flirtations. And, girl, I don't know if this is the time to be having a Carrie Bradshaw-esque internal dialogue. Right? Well, she's looking around for something before this monster attacks her. She's like, I had to ask myself, was Reese dripping with desire for me, or was I just a big drip? (laughs) Great line. (laughs) As as a strange monster monster is spinning people's intestines or whatever next to her, and she's just like, does he like me? Oh, my God. Does he like like me? Because I feel like he likes me as a friend, but does he like like me? Um, But I guess yet making this distraction is all she needs, because maybe because she's thinking about Reese, suddenly she feels an object calling to her. Have you come to claim me at last? A ring of twisted strands of gold and silver, flecked with pearl and set with a stone of deepest, solid blue. Sapphire, but different. She doesn't fully seem to know how, but she knows that this is what Reese has sent her in here for. Carefully, cautiously, she reaches for the ring. And even though Reese says that she will be fine as long as she is silent, the weaver immediately hears her. Fairies do not offer useful or applicable advice is what I am gleaning from these books. Who is in my house? She said softly. As Ferris scrambles to the front door, only to realize there's no handle or latch or anything to open the door, she backs up having to realize she has to face the weaver. Above her young, supple body, beneath her black, beautiful hair, her skin was gray, wrinkled and sagging and dry. And where eyes should have gleamed, instead lay rotting black pits. Her lips had withered to nothing but deep, dark lines around a hole full of jagged stumps of teeth, like she had gnawed on too many Bones. Noise. Yeah. yeah. Usually I slurp on them. I don't gnaw on them as such, but uh, Weaver, you do you, girl. <laughs> I would love to see this scene on film so badly. Man, I want to. I want to see. And I'm worried that they're not going to do Akatar in a good way, and then they're never going to get to the good books. No, don't. We can't put that into We have to manifest. It's going to be so amazing that they're going to make every single book, and we're going to fall in love with it. Yay. Thank you. And also, Akatar is a good book. I didn't mean to say that. Um, the Weaver, still calm and serene, begins calling out for Feyre. But Feyre is no mouse. She is a wolf. Mm-hmm. And she grabs a burning candle and launches it at her collection. No! The dry cloth. That's not even fair, because that's not even all the Weaver's stuff, because people leave their stuff with the Weaver. So technically, Feyre, not nice. Oh, well, other people's property. Yes. Um, so... The dry cloth around her goes up in flames, and the weaver's facade fully breaks. She shrieks and wails, and Feyre scrambles in a panic to find an exit, only to realize the chimney is the only way out. Ah, 
She's going to have to perform a reverse Santa. Uh-oh. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to be giving the presents instead of getting the, yep. the presents. Yep. <laughs> Sexy. Sex stuff. Sex. <laughs> Pharaoh lunges into the fireplace and begins to climb. But my shoulders scraped against the brick, and it reeked in here, like carrion and burned hair. And there was an oily sheen on the stone, like cooked fat. Ew. Yuck. She's, I would hate to be in this chimney. You would not like it. It would be really dirty in there. She's halfway up when the weaver's rotted face appears from below, just out of grabbing Feyre reach. <gasps> but Feyre's now stuck. Stuck and panicking. Mm-hmm. This is a literal nightmare scenario. I mean, this would be a thing that would happen in my dreams where I am. It's a perfect anxiety cocktail yeah. of like not being able to move your arms and something's underneath you and you're covered in like slime. Ew. Uh, and also the house is on fire. So on top yeah. of that, like and that's the only place where the smoke can come out. So just think you're also being just like barraged <gasps> by smoke. Ugh. No, no, no. None of that, please. She's trapped and panicked, which is the last thing you should do in a situation like that if you want to get out. Stop. A voice says in her head. At first I thought it was going to be Reese, but it's her voice. Oh, my God. She can take care of her own damn self. She's saving herself. Yay. She's like, oh, yeah, I got big old dumb brute face strength. Crash, crash, crash. She starts beating against the sides of the chimney. She Hulk smashes through the chimney. She does, which is awesome. She loosens a brick and hurls it down into the face of the weaver. She screams and black blood explodes from her broken head. Noise! She claws and scrapes and pulls just like Beatrix Kiddo when she's getting buried alive and finds herself out level with the roof. I didn't dare stop. Not as I reached the lip and hauled myself out, tumbling onto the thatched roof, which was not thatched with hay at all, but hair. So awesome. Such a good image. I don't know if this was part of another folktale, nothing that I could find, but it's such a great, disgusting visual that it's just like all these scalps making tufts of hair. No, this is a very genuinely scary scene. Mm Mm-hmm. The weaver is screeching and raging, still looking for Feyre outside of the hut. Feyre jumps from the roof to the trees nearby, flinging her body from branch to branch as she makes distance from the weaver's screams. Further and further until that son of a bitch resond is before her, just having lounged on a tree branch during all of this, that cocky bastard. He sweeps her up before they can even have a conversation and winnows her back to the House of Wind, or rather right outside of it midair, where he free falls with her and then flaps his wings open and flies them both through the window to a war room where Cassian and Amran are mauling over something. I don't want to be a fairy be very so Winnow me and fly me, baby. Fly me to the moon, baby. I want to be a fairy. Yep. We will be someday. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Guys, guys. Yeah. If Maybe if we just uh, get the ears actually implanted into our ears, <laughs> then maybe we'll be Faye. Is that? Yeah, let's try it. Let's, yeah. let's give it a shot. Why not? Um, we can use some of the skin from our butt. <laughs> no! <laughs> I love my butt! <laughs> we can use the skin of somebody else's butt. Okay, well, yeah, different butt. Okay. Big ears. Big old ears. Farah's rightfully furious that Rison would throw her into this danger. But he shrugs it off. You didn't die. You figured out how to get yourself out. And while 
In our normal boring world, this would be a very sadistic thing to do. He's got a point that she will need to face great and terrible dangers if she is to help them in this war. And, yeah. Yeah. And she's made it clear that she intends on doing so. In fact, begged to be let out of the comforts of the Supreme Court. Technically, this is actually what she was asking for. Yes. Was like this type of like, lean on me and uh, like, I want the adventure and I want to be able to continue to and help. I want to help. And yeah. So as much as like, I wouldn't want to be in this situation, she kind of does want to be in this situation. Yeah. You never would have said, I wanted to, I want to fight in this war. You would have said, no, yeah, I'm good. No, I'm just going to plan the parties. Let me plan the parties. I will plan great. And think of the food that I Ooh. will make sure at said parties. Oh, it's safe food, too. Oh, my mm. God. That's just so much better than our boring, dull human food. I know. Um, I mean, it's probably assumed by the reader that Rizan would have gotten her and saved her if she was truly about to be killed. But I don't know, dude. I don't think he would have let her die. But in Feyre's head, we hear what almost sounds like disappointment because she reflects on how, of course, he needs me to help myself out. He needs me to get that book. Almost like she doesn't believe he cared enough about her to save her if she failed. Reese's aloof. We can't make this girl happy. I know. Sometimes I'm like, no, he's trying to, he's trying to use, like, work with you. And he's, like, saying that he believes in you to a point that you could take care of yourself. I think what maybe she's, we're kind of getting half revealed in her thoughts is that she's, was hoping that he cared for her personally. And then she's like, oh, he doesn't. He yeah. would have let me die. But this this is this is young bitches' thoughts, yeah. you know. This yeah, yeah. is no. When you're dating in your thirties, you're definitely like, he must love me. <laughs> you must be with me now. Um, so Reese's aloofness causes Cassian to call him a prick, but he concedes that he would have also trained her in this way. But Feyre is still angry. I looked at my hands, my nails bloody and cracked, and I said to Cassian. I want you to teach me how to fight, to get strong, if the offer to train still stands. We learn in this interaction that the ring that she retrieved was Reese's mother's and that he didn't actually lose it, but the, his mother gave it to the weaver to be retrieved. More madness that Feyre doesn't understand and she certainly doesn't receive an explanation about. Before it can go any further, Reese winnows her back to her room where a hot bath is waiting for her. Noise. But Reese isn't ready to let her relax. What about— Get all- between her legs. <laughs> you should get between her legs again. Not this time. Oh, I'm sorry. What about her training all of her other powers? He challenges her to try to get past his mental shield, but she's not having it. She almost just got turned into roof hair, for Christ's sake. But he taunts her. You feel it, don't you? He said over the burbling and chittering garden birds. Your power stalking under your skin, purring in your ear. So what if I do? Yes. Her com- he comments about how surprised he is that Ionthi hasn't carved her up to see her powers. Favor wants to know what his problem is with Ionthi, as he's shown quite a distaste from, for her from the beginning. He's vague at first, but says that the priestesses have become corrupted by their own power, selfish and greedy. She presses him, and he teases that he'll tell her if she gets past his shields. She can't. It's too hard. But he lets her in anyway. She notes how his shield of black adamant, which I also just realized, isn't that what her shield is made of as well in her head? 
Interesting. Maybe it came from the land of night. It might have. I also wanted to see what adamant was because we currently use that word in like modern society as an adjective. You know, like he was adamant about it. Oh, but Um, it must be like stone. Yeah, but I'd never heard it used as a noun. But I know I've heard it used as a noun before. It turns out that it's not actually a real rock, but it's like a legendary mineral, which is like a pretend strong rock that doesn't exist. So it's different than Dwayne Johnson. He might be made of adamant. I mean, he's got a thick nick. We've got to knock on it and see what kind of sound it makes. I'm not knocking on it. I feel like he wouldn't enjoy that very much. <laughs> What's in there, mister? Come on, you got something in there? Um, so it's made. It's a made-up substance, basically. And then another, the more you know. Ah. So she brushes a hand on his rock-hard adamant. Woo-hoo! And like a mountain cat arching into a touch, it seemed to purr. And then relaxed its guard. He then allows her into like an antechamber of his mind. We're taken into a vision, a memory that Reese holds in his head. We're in a bedroom of his in the Court of Nightmares. And Ionthe is laying on his bed completely nude. It's clear immediately that Reese did not invite her into his room. Get out, he says to his memory of Ionthe. She continues to play. Well, not she's not playing coy. She just straight up spreads her legs open and is like, get in here, sailor. It's a little aggressive. A little, it's a little like non-consensus. Yeah, it's very yucky. I feel, I do think it's interesting that the priestesses in this world, not all of them, but at least the ones that we've gotten to know so far, are the opposite of what like a nun would be in our human world, where they're actually very sexual creatures that like seem to gain some of their power by using their like their sex. sensuality. Yes. Because there have been nuns who've done terrible things that have used their sexuality, but they don't openly wear it on their their boobs. You know what I mean? Or spread their legs open like a buffet to get what they want. Um, I'm sure some nuns done that somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, they're married to God, so isn't that you got to put out, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that how it works? I think so. I think that's like how you graduate nun college. Do you masturbate then to, to have sex with your husband, God? I, you're, I don't think you're supposed to, but you know they're doing it. I think it's sad. I think they should masturbate. I, I do, too. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he continues to make it clear that he has no interest in her and that she needs to leave. And, I mean, the audacity to just go into somebody's private quarters and assume so much. Yeah, she's it's being a creep. yuck, man. She ignores him and continues to make suggestive gestures. Feyre feels just I mean, pointing at her literally pussy, tries to like she basically tries to like touch herself. Um Feyre feels his rage and can hear how he internally contemplates splattering her against the wall. It's clear that he knows her to be known to do this already. We don't get a sense he's surprised or trying to spare her feelings. He forcefully pins her arm down as she basically tries to start masturbating. She shifts motives here and tells him that she would make a very powerful partner to him, that they could rule together. He thinks about the best motive to deal with her here, again, acknowledging that she will be a problem for a long time and it could be easier to just kill her. He he tries again, get out of my bed, get out of my room, and get out of my court. Lay it down, Reese. 
because he's now close to her. She uses her unpinned hand to try to reach between his legs. And he uses his considerable strength to crush the bones in her hand using magic. And I mean, that's fair. Yeah, dude. Feyre can feel that his power could wipe her out of existence in half a second. But instead, he breaks her hand that was trying to touch him non-consensually. The next time you touch me or anyone in my lands, you will find that the rest of you will not fare so well. Garys, yeah, you tell it. Not in my house. It's that him saying me or anyone in my court that hits home here because it's clear that this priestess has a reputation for Roman hands. Yes. If you'll recall, she also had her sights set on Lucian, which Feyre will remember as well and feel sick over. The memory ends with Reese throwing her out of his room and slamming the door. Ferris pulled back out of Reese's head and into the present room. She asks when this was, and he tells her it was a hundred years ago. He said that she had visited after telling him she wanted to strengthen the ties between the night court and the priestesses. Remember, on top of all of that, to the outside world, Rizond is a monster, an evil torturer. And Ianthi saw that and said, I'd love a piece. So she's not good. She's not a good. Feyre realizes that it was only 50 years later that Reese was trapped under another woman, and it fills her with pain. Feyre wants to console him, but it seems unleashing this memory has haunted him enough that he vanishes from the room. Ugh. But he's, like, letting her in more and mm-hmm. trying to open up more. He's revealing himself, and which is, like, to show that he does trust her and wants her to trust him. In the opening of Chapter 22, Moore is lounging in Feyre's room in a very human-like manner, where Feyre is going through her clothes and Moore is laid across Feyre's bed watching and chatting. They're preparing for the inner circle to go to the mortal realm and to try to appeal to Feyre's sisters to help them with the queens. Moore wants to know how humans dress these days since she hasn't been there since she fought in the Great War 500 years ago. I rifled through the clothes in my armoire. Layers, I said. They cover everything up. The décolletage might be a little daring, depending on the event, but everything else gets hidden beneath skirts and petticoats and nonsense. More comments that she doesn't remember it being that way when she was there then. Nowadays, most women wed, bear children, and then plan their children's marriages. Some of them, some of the poor might work in the fields, and a rare few are mercenaries or hired soldiers, but the wealthier they are, the more restricted their freedoms and roles become. You'd think that money would buy you the ability to do whatever you pleased. Damn. So more muses that some of the high fae are the same. She doesn't say it then, but alludes to perhaps... She's per- she's speaking of her own family, more that is. I find this an interesting background to Prithian, that they've almost reverted to trad wife stuff where before women held more jobs and were more equal. It seems like women can't get a break on any planet. Nah, man. Moore tells her that in the Court of Nightmares, women's virginity is guarded and used as a currency almost, but goes on to say that she was born with an excessive amount of power, more than her whole family, and she had hoped that it would prevent her from being sold off to a husband, that they would recognize that she was meant for something greater. But they, more than anything, wanted to tamper it down. Surely she couldn't be stronger than her own father. Then he would be a pussy. When her bloods come at 17. She didn't want her bloods to come. No, because that means something there that's bad. 
They predictably saw her as a vessel to produce strong boys, not just relishing her strength and letting her choose her own path. Gross. Moore then says that she will not be joining Feyre in the human realm this time, basically saying that she wouldn't be able to behave as they want her to. Which makes me love more. I just love more. Every little, every more we get about more makes me love her more. I do hope we get a whole more book at some point. We have to, right? Yeah, I think I think we will. Um, right, Sarah? Right, Sarah? please. <laughs> Come on. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Moore goes on to tell Feyre that Cassian and Reese were the ones who saved her from her fate in the Court of Nightmares, and that Cassian risked his life to do so, that he doesn't think of himself as good or special because he is lowborn, but that he is in fact better than any male she knew from her past life. Listening to Moore's story causes Feyre to say that she'd like it if her sisters could meet Moore one day, that she'd like them to hear her story— Maybe stop being such big babies. Oh, my God. Uh, Because they believe all that human bullshit about the fae. And also that you can still be warm and kind despite being uh, uh, coming from a painful past. Moore replies, there are good days and hard days for me, even now. Don't let the hard days win. Which is simple and beautiful advice for all of us. I love you more. Teach me to be like you more. I want to wear your outfits. I keep trying to find good good stuff to cosplay as her, and it's hard. The inner circle minus Moore and Amrin 
Amran, probably for obvious reasons of being terrifying, are going to head out to the mortal realm together. To avoid the spring court for Feyre's sake, they are going to fly out to the sea and cross through the wall over the water. They would winnow to the coast and then fly across the wall. She looks at Reese, and her mind is immediately drawn to his hands on her thighs. <laughs> He'd seen and endured such, such unspeakable things, and yet his hands on my thighs had been gentle, the touch like... I didn't let myself finish the thought as I said. I'll fly with Asriel. <laughs> I love that. Thinking of his hands creeping up her thighs and her just like like throbby loins, throbby loins. Be like, yeah, don't get it. Uh, uh, somebody else. Um, Reese looks flabbergasted at this statement, but Asriel simply says, of course. Oh, shadow I don't know singer. How, I don't know how you could choose any of these and be like. I'd yeah, rather which, him hold me. Yeah, I don't know. It's all rough. Goo should be slipping out of his arms. <laughs> Do you have any uggos I could fly hey, with? Please. There's got to be some uggo, Faye. That's so sad if they are. I mean, they're still going to go. They're going to get filleted no matter what. Filleted. Um, Very different. Mm -hmm. So this is the first that we really see a private interaction between Azriel and Feyre. It's really interesting to read the parts with Azriel this time around now that I've read the bonus chapter from his POV. Um, I don't – if you haven't read all the way through yet, I don't think you should read it until the books are, are completed because it, it kind of gives a lot of stuff away. But um, – the Azrael bonus chapter is quite juicy. Uh, just gives you a little more insight into who he is. So in this scene, Feyre and Azrael have sort of a bonding moment as he's flying her over the sea and they Ugh. have a private conversation. And yet they both reveal that they don't really feel like they fit in anywhere. And we, the readers, are let in that Azrael still feels like an outsider at 550 years old. It doesn't get easier for him. We don't get much more here because they reach the wall and Feyre feels its pull much differently as a high fae than when she was mortal. It crackles through her body as the wall was created by all seven high lords just as she was. And then they're back into Feyre's homeland. At chapter 23, it begins. It had been a year since I had stalked through that labyrinth of snow and ice and killed a fairy with hate in my heart. It's only been a year. Dude, time I, flies when you're flying in the arms of an Illyrian. But also you're kept in a yeah. dungeon for three months. Yeah, that was a rough part of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's a lot to go through in one year. It feels like more like five years, but it's just been the one. Feyre approaches the front door of her family's emerald-roofed estate alone, the Batmen lying in wait. Their housekeeper opens the door and is immediately afraid of Feyre. She recognizes her, but even with Feyre's ears still covered, she's changed, different. She almost doesn't let Feyre in, but then Elaine hears the commotion appears and appears behind the housekeeper. Elaine's golden brown hair was half up, her pale skin creamy and flushed with color, and her eyes like molten chocolate were wide as they took me in. I'm pointing at Natalie because Natalie's dressed like Elaine right now. And I feel like you have to have, like, more more distant. Yeah, be more, yeah. More sensitive, more distant. Yeah, give it to me. Yep. 
That's, oh yeah, she's quivering. Oh, she doesn't, oh, she's scared. Oh God, her hands are shaking. She's quivering. Well, it's good. Yeah, more quiver. Okay. I gotta add on to the quiver. Thank you. Okay, I got it. I'm just like Elaine. <laughs> Am I sitting next to Elaine right now? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm, people say I'm just like Elaine. <laughs> um, I would say, I think Elaine, I think we, I could speak for both of us, is the character, including all of the male characters that we identify with least. Yeah, which is not to say, she. we might know learn a lot about her in the Elaine book. We don't and know. I think that she's going to get a lot cooler. I think so, too. Um there's been, like, fan speculations that she's going to become Dark Elaine, which is very Yes. Um, like Riverdale? Like Dark Betty? I don't know. <sighs> you don't get us Riverdale heads. I don't. I'm sorry. But I, I support you. Thank you. Um, so, in Elaine fashion, she is overjoyed to see her sister and begins to weep. In true Nesta fashion, without a greeting, she commands the housekeeper to put on tea and that's the closest she'll get to welcoming her sister back into their home. Thanks, Nesta. <laughs> Feyre sits alone with her sisters and asks where her father is. Lord knows. A surprise he's not there. <laughs> Nesta informs her that he is in an area called Neva, attending a summit about a looming threat above the wall. Because he's never going to take care of you, bitch. Wow. <laughs> Stop caring about your father. He's toxic. I don't know. There might be. We don't know enough about her father yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time. Maybe never. Maybe he's never going to be nothing but a scumbag. Elaine tells Feyre that they are both happy to see her. But as Feyre takes this moment in to reveal her ears, <gasps> they are both stunned and shaken. She informs them that she was, in fact, dead. And the Fae have resurrected her. Because as you recall, they haven't seen her since she left to go save Tamlin from under the mountain. Yeah, back when she was human. Yeah. Before they can reply, she tells them to listen to her. She has to let them know that they are in danger. And she tells them the full tale of what's occurred since she left that home a half a year ago to save her high lord. She tells them that the threat of the king of Highburn is near and her desire to have the queens of the mortal realm meet in their estate at the Archeron family estate. They were working in the bridal shop and blushing queens and the wife kicking out one of those crushing scenes. Mr. Sheffield! Yeah, they all come in and they all have great fits on. Actually, I could totally see Rizan as Mr. Sheffield. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Putting on musicals. <laughs> um, that's what he does instead of being a badass high lord he, he produces musicals instead although yep. very into it yeah I'll take it Nesta in Nesta fashion immediately says absolutely not Feyre pleads but Nesta will ha- have none of it she doesn't want to hear it she doesn't want any of these fae near Elaine Ugh. she doesn't want them to be known as fairy likers Especially with Elaine's wedding coming up. What? Whoa, mic drop. It's then Feyre notices that Elaine is wearing an engagement ring. Not (gasps) only that, but her betrothed family are fey hunters. No, Elaine, no, you can't. Oh, no, Elaine. Nesta says no fey will enter her home and seems to imply that that includes Feyre. She's so brutal. I know, dude. Nesta, take a chill pill. You need need therapy and you need, I guess you need to get laid in a good fashion. You need something to relax. Think of the frown lines. I also, like, you have all this luxury in your house. Doesn't that make you, like, slightly more happy? so grumpo? But then Elaine actually steps up 
She points out that there won't even be a wedding if their entire village is wiped out. Truth. She uncharacteristically pushes back against Nesta and says that they must send the servants away and help Feyre, help all of the humans. Nesta seems moved by this. I don't think as much from Elaine's words, more so because Elaine actually stood up to her. So Nesta concedes. She agrees to begin the process of sending the servants off with paid leave. As Elaine goes off to speak with the help, Feyre asks Nesta if she approves of Elaine's fiancé, whose name is Grayson. Nesta says she thinks the family's estate looks like a prison. Nesta questions how it didn't work out with her high lord after all that happened. Like you care. Don't pretend like you care. She just wants to know, like, oh, did you get your heart broken? I bet you got your heart broken. (laughs) Feyre says that it couldn't work because of all that had happened, that she had to leave him, that Tamlin broke under the mountain and never really came back. Feyre asked Nesta if she would meet her new court. Her new court, huh? That's a mouthful. Oh. The Batman... Enter the estate at the start of chapter. Why did you let us here? I was trying to do a Batman impression. I am Batman. (laughs) I know Christian Bale is not in the room right now. It's me. It's Jackie. Guys, that was that was supposed to be the Christian Bale version. (laughs) Okay. It could have been. Yeah, didn't you get that from my impression? Absolutely. (laughs) I thought maybe it was the Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah. um, They enter the the estate at the start of Chapter 24, their first interaction with the Archeron sisters, now that the servants are gone. Being alone with them, Feyre finally removes her cloak and reveals her very non-human attire, including the night court pants she's chosen— and a crown. Yes, wear that crown, bitch. My sisters both stiffened at Cassian and Azriel, at those mighty wings tucked in tight to powerful bodies, at the weapons, and then at the devastatingly beautiful faces of all three males. Elaine, to her credit, did not faint. And Nesta, to hers, did not hiss at them. As she introduces them, she speaks her family name for the first time in a very long time, Archeron. She reflects on how she, after she killed her first rabbit to feed her family, she stopped using her father's name. The men are all polite enough, but Feyre can sense and hear her sister's terror at these massive hulking batmen. They're so big. Nesta simply directs them all to the dinner table where the cook has left dinner set out before she left. The dinner starts out terse, Yeah, I would say. As they begin to serve out the dishes, Feyre realizes that the human food now tastes like poop and perhaps doesn't do a good job of hiding her distaste of the food. Well, you certainly love to cover yourself in poop, so maybe you should start eating poop now too, Feyre. Well, Nesta's very not impressed. Oh, I'm sorry. Is our disgusting dirt food a problem for you? So you can't eat normal food anymore, or are you too good for it? A question and a challenge. Vera's temper is rising right along with her, so she responds. I laid my hand flat on the table. I can eat, drink, fuck, and fight just as well as I did before, 
Better even. Damn. Everyone's preparing for a Jerry Springer takedown situation to occur. But Reese tries to calm it down by suggesting that Nesta, Nesta come to Prithian to try their food. I wonder how it tastes. Mm. Don't you just like if our human food is just is just nothing food? How good is it? Mm. Think of the cheese. Mm, I bet I'm, they I'm have really of good the pies cheese. and pastries. Oh yeah, that too. And cakes. Um, Nesta pretty rudely says that she doesn't want to be anywhere near your bullshit, sir. Through this, Cassian is staring Nesta down as though he's found a new sparring opponent. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Cassian kind of rips her a new one here, and she deserves it. He tells her he's looking at a woman who let her 14-year-old sister walk into the dark to mm-hmm. save her entire family while she sat and did nothing. Mm-hmm. That Feyre saved his people, and he won't sit by while she insults her. Mm-hmm. Nesta just ignores him. Yes, Cassian. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of Cassian. I'm for so up. proud of Cassian mm-hmm. for just being like, no, man, where were you? You didn't step up. And now you're going to be a bitch her when she didn't have a choice in becoming high fae. I imagine that's the first time anyone's ever said that aloud to the sisters. Yeah. Before. Elaine tries to smooth it over, saying that they just are afraid and don't understand the fae and, and mentions that they're scared because Claire Better and her family, they went through all that, and both Feyre and Reese freeze because the sisters still don't know what happened to her. But they continue on forward. Elaine acknowledges that they, in fact, the both sisters failed Feyre. Then they go back to eating and try to move forward with the after that awkward interaction. Oh, real awkward. And as Elaine asks if Azriel can truly fly. It's a very sweet interaction with Azriel explaining that they can and that it can be very scary. They go on to discuss the difference. Man, Azriel's between... such a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> he's such like a, take care of me, Azriel. But how can he when he's so traumatized? He is, is like brutal as he can be. He can be very gentle. He almost seems like he is more comfortable around people who need like protecting a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he's not like suffocating with it the way Tamlin no, is. No. But it's interesting because he's seems to be deeply in love with a woman who is not like that at all. Ouch, man. Ouch and a half. Well, we're going to get into that. Oh, we will. So they go on to discuss the difference between high fey and their kind and just have like a dinner conversation. As this somewhat tense dinner wraps up, Reese asks if they can stay the night and that they'll need two rooms next to each other. That evening, the group drafts a letter to the queens, which the two Archeron sisters will take to the village to be mailed off. At bedtime, we find out that Azriel and Cassian will be in one room and Reese and Feyre will be in the other. Oh. Gulp. What? There's no funny business to be had this night. No, I mean, she's in her home with the sisters. Like, it's already uncomfortable. I can't imagine feeling too sexy no. in, after a dinner like that. Like going home for Christmas. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's not the sexiest time period. That being said, we get a scene that develops Reese and Feyre's relationship as they talk about her sisters and the Bat Boys. There is a level of bonding that occurs when Feyre returns from changing in the bathroom, and she comes to discover that Rizan had warmed her bed up with magic so that she wouldn't be cold when she got in. Can we just go ahead and say, 
that that's a really nice plus of being magic. That They can just warm up the bed as if you've been laying in it, but then you could just get into a nice warm bed when it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. I want to be Faye. I know. Uh, it sucks. We also reveal that he also reveals that he felt deep rage at her sisters for letting her walk into the woods alone. Yeah, dude. Faye counters with, well, we wouldn't be here right now if they didn't because we went through all this and I saved your people. But, you know, you got to look at the bright side of things sometimes. He asks her when her birthday is and she reveals it is the winter solstice. He seems pr- surprised by that. Which I'm surprised because when you're really trying to court, you know, he didn't even bother to ask what sign she is. <laughs> You know, didn't care for a second, but that's how you really get to know people. But that is like a thing that I guess Tamlin never even asked her what her birthday was before. Yeah, dude. So she says, is that so hard to believe in reference to her birthday being on the winter solstice? My mother claimed that I was so withdrawn and strange because I was born on the longest night of the year. Thanks, mom. Yeah, her mom seems like peace Like a Nesta. Yeah, which is Nesta was her favorite, as we'll learn. The next morning, Reese and Feyre go out to the forest to practice controlling Feyre's magic. They, so they're still in the mortal realm at this point. They are full in flirty banter mode where she's sort of needling him and he's be, pretending to be put out. In this conversation, he explains to her where the Illyrian steps are. Oh, she's got her toes gone. She's got her pointer. If you'll note, at the top of the night court, they're at the edge of the Illyrian territories. So, And even though steps is... Spelled like steppes, <laughs> but maybe we should call it the Illyrian steppes. <laughs> right here is where that happens, and then the very tip top in the is where the Illyrian mountains are, and where the Illyrians train. I bet it's cold up there. There must be some Illyrians in the atmosphere. Thank you. Um, okay, so that's where that is at the north. As you'll recall, she wasn't permitted to see the layout of the night court when she first arrived because he kept the whole part of the night, the night court map blank from her. So then he instructs her to light a candle, douse it with water, and dry it with wind using only her magic. She eyes him and then asks him to leave because he is distracting her. Get out of here. He's distracting me. Uh, they're in such flirty bird mm-hmm. mode, too. I can't concentrate with you around. I admitted. And go far. I can feel you from a room away. A suggestive curve shaped his lips. She's like, not like that. No, that's not what she means. He says he'll go away and she can shout down the bond for him to return. I frowned at the eye in my palm. What? Literally shout at the tattoo? You could try rubbing it on certain body parts, and I might come faster. Wow! Ah! Wow! And then he disappears! (laughs) But Feyre realizes what he said in that moment, and it actually makes her laugh, which is substantial because that bee never be smiling. Nah, man, she's not a smiley kind of gal. Hours later, Feyre hasn't had any any success in doing anything to the candle. She takes a break and finds a note from Rizan along with a pen. In the note, he asks if she's made any progress. It turns out this is a form of Faye texting. Yeah. She writes back, No, you snoop. Don't you have any important things to do? They go back and forth, and eventually he writes, Life is better when you're around. And look at how lovely your handwriting is. He's being a flirty bat. For all that Feyre acts annoyed with him, she's really starting to let some walls down. 
A faint smile curved my lips. You're a shameless flirt, I wrote back. She seems awful excited to see what he writes back to that. But before we find out, a hand clamps over her mouth, (gasps) and she's dragged off her feet. Bum, bum, bum. A rasping voice sounded in my ear. Stop, or I'll snap your neck. I knew that voice. It prowled through my nightmares. The adder. Oh, no, the adder! Ah, it's back! Adder's back! All right! And not Not, in a boy band way. No. Before we can get too scared, Reese explodes into the forest, now free of his shackles from Amarantha. The adder is like the buzzing of flies to him. Yes, he's so much stronger than he is! Rissan binds it to a tree and shoots spears through its wings. The inter- they interrogate the adder and are able to get the info that it was sent by the king of Highburn to take Farah, though it claims it doesn't know why. Mm. It then goes on to say that the armies of Highburn are endless, that they have allies in every territory. Just then, Asriel slams down into the snow. <sighs> He's our savior. Here we get to see the shadow singer version of Asriel, wow. of the person he has to become to do the sort of terrible things that he has to do. And yet I'm so attracted to it. <laughs> I shouldn't be. It's almost because... like women are attracted to bad boys. Oh, what? I've never heard that before. I don't know. Asriel grips the at her and winnows away. Actually, Feyre isn't even sure if it's winnowing or some other like power because she's never seen Asriel do so. Feyre wants to know if Asriel will kill him. No. I shivered at the raw power glazing his taut body. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say that without getting turned on. The raw power glazing his taut body? Yeah. I mean, it's horny for sure. Uh We'll use him to send a message to Highburn that if they want to hunt the members of my court, they'll have to do better than that. I started at the claim he'd made of me and at the words. You knew? You knew he was hunting me? So he says member of his court. Whoa. Mm. Well, they are working together now. But then it hits her that he knew that she would likely be attacked when he left. Damn, just still just throwing her out there to the wolves, but he knows that she can handle it. He's quite cocky about it. And yes, he would do it again. She was never in any danger. Feyre's furious. How dare he not tell her? And I think she's right at this point. That's a fucked up thing to do, using her as bait without telling her, even if you knew that she'd be safe. She pushes him, and they both seem surprised at how strong she is. Yes. He tells her she's forgotten her strength and that she stopped fighting. He begins to bait her, rage bait her. She's being a, He's being a real Matt Walsh right now. Mm-hmm. She goes to push him, and he winnows a few feet back. Her anger intensifies, and she storms towards him. <gasps> he winnows again and appears behind her, whispering in her ear. She whips around and he's gone again, laughing, daring her to follow him again and again until she wants to hit him so badly she figures out how to winnow. Time slowed and curled, and I could see the darkness of him turn to smoke and veer, as if it were running for another spot in the clearing. I hurtled for that spot, even as I felt my own lightness, folding my very self into wind and shadow and dust. 
the looseness of it radiating out of me, all while I aimed for where he was headed. And his eyes were wide, his mouth split in a grin of wicked delight as I winnowed in front of him and tackled him into the snow. And then we get a very classic will-they-won't-they they device where she tumbles on top of him. And oh! She's mad, but now they're, like, pressed against oh each other. Oh, my God. And then thinking about him just between her legs, hands on her thighs, <laughs> looking up at her. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 27 opens on her sprawled on top of him, having succeeded in knocking him over. But as delighted as Reese is that Feyre just winnowed, she's still boiling angry. Don't ever use me as bait again. Talons appear from her fingers, so you know she means business. She's mad. She says, if you want to work with me, don't use me. Treat me like an inanimate object to toss around at your leisure. If he isn't willing to give her that respect, she's done helping him. Despite the snow, his body was warm beneath me, and I wasn't sure I'd realize just how much bigger he was until our bodies were flush. Too close. Much, much too close. And he yields. (laughs) And he yields. Fair enough that she should know what's happening. He tries to get her to attempt winnowing again, but she's had it for today. She wants to go back to the estate. He finally seems to understand how upset she is. I'm sorry, he says. Too little, too late, Buster. Yes. He requests to, let's go eat breakfast and then we'll go home. She says, Valaris isn't my home. I could have sworn hurt flashed in his eyes before he spirited us back to my family's house. Ouch. They return to the Archeron estate and eat breakfast with the sisters. It could be your home. You just have to let it into your heart. (laughs) Let it into your heart. Come on. I mean, this isn't your home. The estate certainly isn't home. That's why I heard Asriel don't know where they fit in. I know. uh... So... They return to the Archeron estate and eat breakfast with the sisters. As is gone, off with wherever he went took the adder, and Cassian had left earlier, a new feud seemingly formed between he and Nesta, one that he found amusing and one that she found maddening. Mm. He'd given Nesta a mocking bow, and she'd given him a vulgar gesture I hadn't realized she knew how to make. Cassian had merely laughed his eyes snaking over Nesta's ice-blue gown with a predatory intent that, given her hiss of rage, he knew would set her spitting. (laughs) (laughs) Just him looking her up and down, Mm -hmm. that's just pissing her off even more. Sploosh! Is it? I don't know. Things are still tense between Feyre and Reese, and as they leave the cold of the mortal realm and fly back through the wall... Wait, we gotta look at the map. Oh! We got Pointer Girl. Village. Then they go out. They winnow here. Then they go across the sea. Oh, and they fly. And then they get back somewhere in here and winnow back to the night court. Okay? It's got to be sexy scary. Yeah, sexy scary for sure. And they don't really speak on this trip back. He leaves her at the townhouse in Valaris off to do lord things with the Atter. Feyre sits at the house gobbling some scones. I think a slight nod to the fact that Feyre's appetite has returned. Soon, Reese comes back. She jumps to her feet and thinks to herself how relieved she is that he doesn't seem harmed. Wow, she really mm. cares, doesn't she? Despite herself. 
He tells her if she wants to know the method with which they extract information, she can, but it is unpleasant. She says she wants to know the truth, all of it. So he allows her back into the antechamber of his mind, and she witnesses a rehashing of what's just occurred. That Azriel's knife, named Truth Teller, has done some damage to this creature. Feyre can hear a replay of Reese's thoughts when she enters them, and Reese muses on how Azrael is actually more animalistic than Cassian, though people assume the opposite due to Cassian's bombastic nature. But an icy rage lives in Az that Reese has never seen thaw over these centuries. Seems like he needs somebody to warm him up. Yeah. He needs to be warmed from the inside out. Maybe me? I don't know if I want a freezing cold weenie in me, though. No, but that's why we we help him and we fix him until mm. the weenie's warm. <laughs> Get it all. I was a warm a ween, a warm a ween, a warm a ween, a warm a ween. We warm up the ween. Before we put it inside of us. Don't do this, though. <laughs> Why? I was, I was doing a shuffle, a shuffle grabble <laughs> at the penis. I don't think that's going to help anyone. Um, <laughs> so Reese blames Azrael's brothers for this icy rage, whose legs he recalls shattering when he got old enough, if you'll recall, as his brothers were the ones who burned his hands off. This poor man, I just want to fix him. The adder taunts Reese with the fact that the spring court has not forgotten what he did, a.k.a. quote-unquote stole Feyre. And then that this can be used to Hybern's advantage, the spring court being raging against the night court. <gasps> the adder reveals what information it has, and then Reese commands as to break its legs, rip its wings, and dump it in the at the coast of Hybern. To send as a message. Man, they are really good at sending messages. Like, mm. hear you loud and clear. Like the head on the spike in the first book where I'm oh. just like, man, Night Court be sending messages. But the first the, the first severed head was really Amarantha. Yeah. But they blame the Night Court. They did. And they, they have to constantly be shown as like these monsters. They have an army of great size, according to the Adher, and they are a massive threat. Um, Feyre tumbles out of this memory, and Reese again apologizes to Feyre for earlier and means it sincerely. And this, letting me into his mind? A peace offering. I need to write a letter. And oh, it's a letter. Oh, oh my goodness. I left of my own free will. I am cared for and safe. I am grateful for all that you did for me, all that you gave. Please don't come looking for me. I'm not coming back. <gasps> She's Man. decided. She's not going. It's, I just, that's it? Can you imagine how angry you would be if this is all, it's like the uh, broke up with me with the post-it, speaking of Sex of the City, that like, this is just, you're getting a post being like, oh, great, so I am broken up with. Well, great I, to know. I will say, it, even if, I don't hate Tamlin. If you get violent with somebody, they have the right to break up. With oh, the oh, be, you are you're right. In this situation, yes. I'm just saying outside. No, Natalie's going to hurt me. No, I won't. She's got the pointer and everything. I know why you got that pointer. Ah, no. Um, I think that like maybe a phone call. They don't have phones though. Mm, but they got that texting. They got the text magic. Ugh. Then you have to. I think it's because I'm reading Crescent City. This is the problem when these things get Mm -hmm. jumbled in my brain. Yeah, they do sometimes. Um, So 
probably spurred this this message is probably spurred on by the fact that the spring court will be a hostile threat to the night court but still she doesn't seem too broken up about it i think she's kind of done and with that note written she feels a level of freedom it's like a weight has been lifted off her shoulders have you ever had one of those breakups where there, it was a long time coming, oh, even yeah. if you pretended that it wasn't? And then the first day when you finally get it out and it's over, it's like, ah. yeah, dude, you like, like that picture of Nicole Kidman of her with the with the divorce papers. I completely understand. And then it's always the same people that are like, I can't believe you moved on and started dating so fast. It's like, yeah, because my relationship was dead for a long yeah. time and I was ready for someone else by the time it was actually officially over. Right. That is that she's kind of exhibiting that feeling, though, of like somebody who was like way ready to be broken up with somebody else. Because mm-hmm. as, as soon as that letter goes out, you see this like shift in her emotions. Yeah, dude. Um, it's like being it's like being reborn <clears throat> or so, remade. Cauldron bless. Woo! She wants to know <laughs> what next? What's going to happen now? He's like, maybe you should go rest. And she says, don't tell me what to do. Mm. I'm going to decide. And I want to get loco. Yes. Enough. I'd had enough of sleeping. I said, you told me that the city was better seen at night. Are you all talk or will you ever bother to show me? A low laugh as he looked me over. I didn't recoil from his gaze. Man, there is something, the way that Sarah, yes, I'm calling her by her first name now, the way that Sarah writes someone looking you up and down, that is such a, man, because, like, just think in your head, when you, like, the person that you crush on so hard, if they look you up and down, does that not make you want to explode? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Again, this is, this also still just makes me think of being, like, a teenager, and that the boy who you do like, who you didn't accidentally send to your best friend's arms, is responding. And you're just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's looking at me. Um, oh, I'm looking you up and down. Yeah. So she observes what she perceives as a real genuine smile from Reese, one that few people get to see. Dinner tonight, he says. If she will allow a lord of night to take her on the town. Oh, my God. Take me on the town, Reese. As Feyre's getting ready for dinner, we find out through her thoughts that apparently everyone's going to dinner with them. Oh, no. It's like my first date with Jeff when I brought you and Henry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was fair because it was like you guys had only known each other for a very brief amount of time. Yeah. And I was nervous. And I was like, it's not a date. So I brought Henry and Natalie with me. And then um, he also brought a friend uh, to also do the... It's not a date. There's no pressure on this. It was technically very much, it was a Cute. casual meet, meet yes. up. But we did kiss. <laughs> I don't mean to spoiler alert it that, yes, I did kiss my husband. And, uh, Harlot. Cute. Yeah. Before your marriage? <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm just such a, ooh, little crone. I'm a baby crone. What's a, what's not a crone? Maid. Maiden. Maiden. <laughs> I'm a baby crone. Baby crone. <laughs> Born a crown. <laughs> um, so as she finds out they're all going to dinner with him. And in her thoughts, I think I catch a slight tone of, what was that? Maybe disappointment? A she doesn't openly say it, but it, like the way it's written, you're like, oh, you're a little bummed out here. Yeah, dude. Um, Amrin enters the room and calls Nuala and Sarah Dwin skittish because they scamper away when Amrin appears. Wraiths tend to be, she says. Ooh. 
Feyre is confused because she thought they were high fae, and Amran informs her that they are half wraith, half high fae. Wraith saw nothing but shadow and mist, able to walk through walls, stone, you name it. I don't even want to know how those two were conceived. High fae will stick their cocks anywhere. But also, <laughs> let's think about this for a second. If it was a high fae, does that mean the high fae stuck its dick into the shadows? I would imagine. And came into the mist? I would imagine because the other way doesn't, for some reason, makes less sense to me. Yeah. I feel like the mothers were, or the mother was the uh, wraith. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. It does make you kind of wonder how that worked. Yeah. Or sometimes you just come into the mist and see what grows. <laughs> come into the corner, come into some boots, maybe get baby boots. Like, I don't know. You see what see what it is sprouts. Baby, baby boots are cute. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, during their conversation, Fair asks when the night court tithe is. And Amron's like, what tithe? That's some spring court-ish. So oh, I don't God. know what you're talking about. Night court is just better in so many ways. Then Feyre hands back the amulet to Amran that Amran gave her to protect her inside the prison. Amran hands it right back to her. Keep it. There's no magic in it. Damn. Feyre shooketh. The magic was in her all along. I tried to harmonize it. Thank you. No work. Um, But but you said it was magic. Amran's like, you needed to feel brave and strong, so I gave you something to feel brave and strong. Reese was probably looking at it warily because he gave it to me 200 years ago and was probably wondering what I was up to. She leaves the room with the breezy, you're welcome. She doesn't say it like that, yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, is just like, whoa, these people, these fae, all these fae. Um, What uh, what time are we at? Uh, About an hour 45. What? Whoa. Holy shit. Whoa. Damn. Okay. I thought well, it felt long, but, um, well, uh, probably should end there, right? Yeah. That, we just went really long, so we need to wrap this up here. We're going to, we're going to start next week with, with a, a night on the town in Valaris. I think we can be open with everyone. We didn't realize how long we'd been talking about these chapters. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Not really sorry, though. <laughs> It forever, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, is it? Oh, is it an hour forty-five? Oh, oh, oh yeah, it's dinner yeah, time. Wrap this up. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, I literally have to go to the dentist in twenty minutes. Well, we gotta wrap I'm, her up. I'm now. gonna have to go in this costume. Oh, oh no, oh, you're no. gonna go dressed as Elaine. I don't have any other gloves. Oh with me. no, I could give you my corset. <laughs> I don't know if that's any better. Oh fuck! You have to go dressed like Elaine. I legit have to go to the dentist right now. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this episode went too long it's completely my fault um, I'll let you all know how that goes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> alright we do have to wrap it up now um, join us next week yeah. yes, bye I gotta go to the dentist <laughs> bye guys <laughs> please read up until chapter 38 or page 361 in the paperback And now, Dudes Grappling with Erotica, for educational purposes only, featuring Marcus Parks and Henry Zabrowski. Amaratha was no fool, Reese said, his face dark. She did not touch these creatures to disturb the wood. 
For years, I tried to find ways to manipulate her to make that foolish mistake, but she never bought it. And now we're disturbing her for a mere test. He chuckled, the sound bouncing off the gray stone strewn across the forest floor like scattered marbles. Cassie had tried to convince me last night not to take you. I thought he might even punch me. Why? I barely even know him. Who knows? With Cassie, he's probably more interested in fucking you than protecting you. You're a pig. You could, you know. Reese said, holding up the branch of a scrawny bitch for me to slip under. If you needed to move on in a physical sense, I'm sure Cassian would be more than happy to oblige. It felt like a test in and of itself. And it pissed me off enough that I crooned. Well, then you tell him to come to my room tonight. If you survive this test. I paused atop a little lichen-crusted rock. You seem pleased by the idea that I won't. Quite the opposite, fear. He prowled to where I stood on the stone. I was almost eye-level with him. The forest even went quieter, the trees seeming to lean closer, as if to catch every word. I let Cassian know you're open to his advances. Good, I said. <laughs> a bit of hollowed-out air pushed against me. Whoa, like a flicker of night, that power along my bones, and blood stirred at an answer. I made to jump off the stone, but he gripped my chin. The movement too fast to detect his words were lethal caress, as he said. Did you enjoy the sight of me kneeling before you? Pussy first is how I like it. <laughs> I knew he could hear my heart as it ratcheted into a thunderous beat. Ba-boom. Ba-boom. I gave him a hateful little smirk anyway, yanking my chin out of his touch and leaping off the stone. Hmm. I might have aimed for his feet, and Ooh. he might have shifted out of the way Whoa. just enough to avoid it. Hey. Isn't that what all you males are good for anyway? But the words were tight. Near breathless. Yeah. <laughs> His answering smile evoked silken sheets and jasmine scented breezes at midnight. Better believe that's what I'm good for. Come on my belly! <laughs> hey, babies! For more fairy talk and Hot Touch. Join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.